Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop singer. Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad and the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the King, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here. Gary Hill back with you at Mariners Pod on Twitter, at Gary Hill Jr. So this is posting a little later than I had planned. Sorry about that. I was dealing with a dog injury last night, and things became a circus. But I'm happy to report that Satchel is doing much better this morning and is uh, healing. So <laughs> so there we go. So it's posting a little bit later. I apologize, but here we go. Here's the podcast for today. Off day yesterday. Obviously, so no game to go through. There will not be a podcast tomorrow with day baseball. So in this one, we'll talk about Oakland a little bit. Two-game series against the A's. Then coming home for a homestand, the only homestand in August. We'll preview that in the podcast coming up on Thursday. Today, we're going to hear from Gerard Dyson. Great conversation with Rick Riz. Also, Aaron Goldsmith chats with Mike Blowers. Uh, fun conversation. They talk about Dyson returning to Kansas City and how popular he was, and Edgar Martinez, and this will be the kickoff of Edgar Martinez weekend. We have a lot of Edgar coming your way the next uh, few days. Is This weekend is going to be awesome. His number gets retired. The light bat bobblehead, it's just going to be fantastic. And big weekend, too, for the Mariners back at home. And again, we'll talk more about that coming up on the podcast Thursday. So that's where we stand. Mariners didn't play yesterday, but a couple teams did near them, so the standings look a little different. The Yankees still hold the first wild card. They're up two and a half games now in the second wild card, and Kansas City and Tampa Bay now tied for that second wild card. The Royals losing last night. KC 57 and 54, Tampa 58 and 55. The Mariners are one game back at 57 and 56. And then Baltimore, they've won three in a row now, 56 and 56. They're 500. So the Mariners a half game ahead of Baltimore at 57 and 56. 
Baltimore's won three in a row. And what's significant about this is the Mariners will play Baltimore here quite a bit. They see them on this homestand coming up, and then they're in Baltimore at the end of the month. So they're going to go head-to-head with Baltimore quite a bit as they've climbed back into this thing. But the Mariners, a chance with Oakland a couple of games to take advantage of this situation. We'll see what they can do. Mariners taking on Oakland. I'll run through, and I'll do this more often as we kind of move through this. I'll break down who everyone else is playing as well because I think that matters. Mariners will take on Oakland the next two days. You have the Red Sox taking on Tampa Bay. Chris Sale is on the mound for the Red Sox against Tampa. So that's good news for Mariners fans. Yankees will be in Toronto to take on the Blue Jays. You've got uh, the Royals hosting the Cardinals once again. Cardinals beating the Royals last night. And Baltimore in L.A. taking on the Angels. So that's the schedule matchup. Ariel Miranda will get the ball for the Mariners. 7-10 first pitch tonight. Kendall Graveman will go for Oakland. Graveman 2-3 with a 4-9-6 ERA on the season. He spent some significant time on the disabled list. Had a pretty strong start to the season before getting hurt. Ariel Miranda 7-5 now with a 4-4-1 ERA. And the goal for Miranda is to keep the ball in the yard. That has been the difference for Miranda. Day baseball coming up tomorrow. 12-37 first pitch. Gallardo gets the ball against Jarrell Cotton. High expectations for Cotton coming into the season. He's had a lot of up and ups and downs this year. 5-8 and eight with a 5-4-8 ERA. Gallardo 5-7 with a 5-3-5 ERA. And of course... Mariners have a new first baseman in these two games. Mariners will face a couple of righties in this series, so I would imagine we'll see Yonder Alonso in both these games in a Mariners uniform, an all-star for the Oakland A's this year. He'll just have to switch clubhouses, and he'll appear tonight for the Mariners, so they add some punch to their lineup. An off day yesterday as well, uh, another off day for their bullpen to get rested. So we'll see what the M's can do in these next two games against the Oakland A's before returning home. See if they can take advantage of this schedule. All right, so that is a look at these two games coming up, Mariners and the Oakland A's. Right now, let's uh, hand things over to Rick Riz. His chat with Gerard Dyson. Visiting with a Mariner center fielder, one of the best center fielders in the game of baseball, Gerard Dyson. Gerard, a kid comes up to you and says, Mr. Dyson, I want to be a center fielder just like you. What do you tell the kid? I'm going to say, uh, first of all, you need to listen to your coach, whoever teaching you how to play center field. You want to listen to them, take all the information in you can take in. Most important, go out there and have fun. You know, you want to go out there and have fun doing it. You're going to make a few mistakes. You know, you learn from your mistakes. You just take the positive out of that. And, and you move forward. Another thing, you want to hit the cutoff, man. <laughs> <laughs> you always want to. You always want to hit the cutoff, man. Now, there's a lot of people out there that like to show off their arms, but the most important thing is hit the cutoff, man. Your job done. You have 10 outfield assists at this point in the season, more than anybody in the major leagues. Talk about doing that. As far as the mechanics, catching the ball, the right way to catch it and throw it to be able to hit the cutoff, man. Or in your case, throwing a guy out at second. Throwing a guy out at third, third base, how does that happen for you? First, I want to tell you, I put a lot of work in. 
my defense uh, over the years, and it's good to see it starting to show out there. I try to get momentum behind my balls, everything I throw, and I had a quick arm. I try to get to the ball quick, get rid of it quick, and it, it ain't all about the arm screen. It's, it's about quickness and accuracy. I try to, like, calm myself down, like not over-pursue the ball. You know, just make sure you catch it first because you can't do nothing without the ball. So if I'm coming in feeling the ground ball, I'm making sure I'm feeling it first. And once I realize I got it in my glove, then I'm trying to get it from my glove to my hand quick as possible. And when I get it to my hand, I'm just I'm just trying to make that throw quick as possible. And sometimes, you know, I, I get a lot on it and sometimes I don't, but it's just all about getting rid of it quick and try to be accurate. I think when I see the cutoff man, if I'm not throwing to the cutoff man, I'm throwing to the base, and if he lined up close to the base, then that gave me a better view of throwing to the base because I try to throw through him. So I know if I throw it through him and both to hit him in the chest, and if he let it go, it's a perfect one hop. You have been blessed with tremendous speed, great center fielders, and we've watched Junior for a long time. Have that built-in radar when you see the swing, you hear the bat, hit the ball, you have an idea where that ball is going to be. You get to that spot, you get to the top of the wall. You've made some incredible catches. How does that happen for you? It's just being in center field, being able to see the zone, being able to read the swings, just over and over and over, just being out there, seeing the swings in BP, knowing your pitchers, knowing what they like to do to the, to the, to the hitters, know where they go to, you know, looking at the catcher set up. You can tell when the catcher set up what pitch might come out of his hand. Stuff like that kind of helped me out. You can you can look at a, I can almost look at a hitter when they take a pitch. What if he would have swung? What where that ball would have ended up at? That's just something I've been doing. Oh, I've been blessed to be able to recognize from center field. You know, uh, I can recognize that really good and be able to tell what guys gonna do with the baseball. All right, let's take you from center field. Now you're on at first base, and you're one of the best base stealers in this league. What makes you a good base stealer? Uh, just the ability to, I mean, I go out there and I, I'm, I'm trying to have a key. I don't go out there just to run and be running because I got the speed. You know, I try to be smart about it because the guys in the American League is too good. The catchers is too good. I mean, the pitchers, they try to hold you as best as possible, but they have good catchers in the, in the American League. So you got to kind of sometimes choose your battles. Sometimes you have to pick your spot. Sometimes you can get them first, first pitch. As far as me, a uh, guy like me, it's a lot of teams probably look forward to me going early in the count, and sometimes I don't, and sometimes I just sit back and pick my spot. Sometimes I just don't want to go. I talked to Ricky Henderson, one of the greatest of all time. He said the key for him was a pitcher's left elbow. If it moved one way or another, he could either have to stay or take off for second base. What, what do you key on with that pitcher? When do you know you can take off? It depends, man. I try to sit over there, man, and try to. I really try to break them down, like from head to toe. I'm, I'm trying to see what body part moving first before you even pick up. I'm looking at that. I'm staring that down. I watch video, a ton of video on them. So I'm trying to have a key on that guy before I even get on first base. And if I got a key on him, that's gonna be, it's gonna be tough for him to get me. Well, best advice for a kid, I think you mentioned it already. Whether it's playing center field like you do, or throwing a runner out, or stealing a base, or swinging a bat. Go out there and have a good time. Have some fun. Have fun, man. You got to have fun. This game too hard. It, you, it'll make you beat yourself up. So you got to go out there and just have fun. No matter when the kids get older, you know, you just got to always play the game like you played it when you was five years old. You didn't care about no, no errors. You just wanted to play hard. You want to have fun. You want to be out there with your friends. And that's just how it is up here because the guys you playing next to, you be with them so long till they become family to you. So it's just like, playing a 
literally with your childhood friends yeah. because these guys is with you every single day for seven or eight months out of the year. You just take pride, you go out there, you just have fun. That's something I was blessed to do over here in Kansas City with that bunch and it, you know, and, and it carried over over here to Seattle. You know, I was welcome in over here, you know, well, and you guys treat me good and they let me be who I am. And I just try to go out there and have fun with those guys because I love this bunch I'm over here with. Now we'll give it over to Aaron Goldsmith as he has a talk with Mike Blowers. Hey, so this is obviously has been a, a major homecoming for Gerard Dyson. It's been yeah. so much fun to see. If, if By the way, if he played every game like he plays in front of this crowd here in Kansas City, uh, he'd be. he's already a great player. Who knows what kind of player he could be. You could tell he's he was pretty juiced to come here and play in front of his old uh, old fans. And you had a chance to witness something uh, that yeah. was pretty spontaneous and a surprise to everybody at the hotel. Uh, yeah, a couple of things, really. Um, yesterday, when we were going to get on the bus to come to the ballpark, I noticed I was out there a little bit earlier, so I noticed that uh, there was a wedding party, which is not unusual for our hotel. People there getting ready for a wedding. And they had a bus, but it was a bus that looked like a trolley car, like a San Francisco mm-hmm. trolley car, which was pretty cool in itself. And all the groomsmen were on the trolley car, um, and all the ladies were inside the hotel getting pictures and stuff like that. But it was, it was a really nice thing. So I go over, and I, I'm standing outside the bus, and Gerard Dyson comes walking out of the hotel. And it's, it's raining outside, mind you. Mm-hmm. And as he's walking past the trolley car, all the guys, all the groomsmen recognize him immediately <laughs> here in Kansas City. And they're all on the sidewalk taking pictures with Gerard Dyson, um, which was pretty funny, in their tuxedos and the whole thing. As the ladies are starting to come out of the hotel, and I think Gerard was a bigger hit than any of them <laughs> were. So it was pretty cool to see. You know, the reception that he got here on, on the opener of this series was fantastic. And then to see that yesterday was really cool. And then even today, it's packed outside. Of course, they had rain checks for yesterday, so I'm assu- assuming a lot of the people were here for that. And plus, it's a doubleheader, which is kind of a unique thing, a cool thing. But where they drop us off is literally right out in front of the stadium. And there's a little walk where they, they have barricaded off. Um, and Gerard again gets off the bus today, and the people are just going crazy just to say hello and high-five him and do all that. It was a really neat thing to see. So um, it's, it's a rare thing in this game when you get welcomed the way that he has. Well, especially when you're not an all-star. You're not an everyday guy. I mean, that's pretty rare. It's very rare, but, you know, there's a couple of things that I, I've found. Is, is one, he's, he's an electric player. Mm-hmm. You know, when you watch him play because of his speed and his ability to steal bases. And then you look at this place, and with the World Series a couple of times and winning the World Series and what a big part he was in that, even if it was coming in late to steal a, a big base and score a run, those are huge plays in a game. And he's the one that was able to do that. And then lastly, just his overall personality, I think, is something that the fans appreciate. He's, he's honest. He's a great guy to talk to. You listen to him in his interviews. He's awesome. Um, and he seems to really enjoy the people here. I listened to a couple of his interviews here already, and that's exactly what he talks about. He knows what it means to, to himself and these people. Yeah, it's been pretty fun. It's been really fun, actually, it's been to, great. to watch him here. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we, when we get back home, it's going to be as we've been counting down the days for end your weekend for a long, long time. And I, I, I've had fun over the course of this week kind of diving into Edgar's numbers even more so than in the past and, and really focusing in on some things. You, you look at the numbers that he put up in his career, and the one that I found today, Mike, I think you'll, you'll find this enjoyable. So he's one of 15 players ever, history of baseball, to hit 300, crush 300 bombs, and hit 500 doubles. Now, of that elite group of 15, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, 
and Roger Hornsby are the only guys with a higher on-base percentage than Edgar Martinez of that already finite group. I mean, that's incredible. So it's to hit 300, 300 home runs, 500 doubles. Yes. It is incredible. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. And, 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 you know, I know for us and, and the way that the game is looked at t- in today's numbers, and we've talked about this with Edgar, his numbers just get better. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing when you look at his lifetime slugging on base percentage, batting average, all those different things that you would look at in today's world of greatness. He is right there at the top of it with a lot of different Hall of Famers. Uh, the cool thing, too, you know, listening to you say that is – uh, Robbie's going to be right there. Yeah. What is he, three home runs That's away? That's what made me think of it. Yeah, yeah, three home runs away for him to be 300. We saw the 500 on this trip and the 300 batting average. It's an amazing career. And Edgar, um, you know, he, I, you know, it's, it, there's nothing that can be done about it, uh, to be honest with you. It, it, it is what it is. Um, but I, I thought about this when I, I saw Kurt Warner, the quarterback, going into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about his career. And he was saying that, you know, he has no regrets, and, and you'd like to wish that, you know, he didn't have to go play in all these other smaller leagues and bounce around until he finally got a chance, which was later in his career, because who knows what the numbers were that right. he would amass, and Edgar fits that category, too. Edgar's in AAA winning batting titles and can't sniff the big leagues because there's just not a spot for him. And then once he shows up, he wins a batting title immediately. <laughs> It's an amazing thing because, you know, to me, I look at all the, and all the numbers, on all the outlier numbers. You're talking about home runs and RBIs right. and hits. Um, if, he give, if somebody would have given him an opportunity at 23 years old. Who knows? That's five more years of him yeah, putting those numbers up. And then you look at it and you're going, yeah. But my thing to it is, is he was a dominant player. He was the best hitter that I saw for a decade. Um, I think you can talk to any manager that managed against the Seattle Mariners. And he was one of the biggest concerns, Junior being the other. Period. Can't wait for Edgar weekend. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great weekend. Well, thanks for swinging by. Yeah, you bet. It's been a great honor to play here in Seattle for my whole career. And uh, it's, I'm very happy to be back here in front of you since uh, the last three years has gone very fast. But um, I appreciate the way you welcome me today. Uh, thank you very much. I wanted to give a special thank uh, the Mariners for uh, inducting me into the Hall of Fame along with uh, a great friend, a great teammate, Jay Buhner, Alvin Davis, and Dave Niehaus. Also, I wanted to especially thank uh, Howard Lincoln and Chuck Armstrong for their leadership. Uh, last, last time I was here, uh, the day that I retired, I, didn't, I don't think that I thanked some people uh, the way that uh, they should have. I think it was very overwhelming, and... I just completely slipped my mind a little bit and forgot to thank some people. <laughs> but I, I appreciate uh, Gary Locke and Mr. Greg Nichols. I think they were behind uh, the street that was named after me right outside Safeco. That was very special and something that I will 
always cherish. Also, Mr. Bud Seeley, the DH Award, I really thank him for doing that. Very special and always cherry as well. All the players and managers, all the players that play with me during the years, and the managers, I thank you. They all make me a better player. Appreciate your companionship and your support all those years. Also wanted to thank my family. I wanted to thank my, my kids, Alex, so proud of this young man, and Tessa and Jay. And also wanted to especially thanks uh, Holly. I really thank, thank you for holding together the family when, while I was away. And I really love you for that. And I want to tell you that I'm very proud of what you're doing right now, going back to school and, and doing as well at the top of the class. That's very cool. Very proud of you, and I love you. Um, there is uh, my cousin, Carmelo Martinez. He is in Arizona right now. And uh, he was uh, one of the biggest influence uh, when I, I signed. He helped me uh, make the decision to sign that year. So I really want to thank you for that. Um, I uh, also wanted to thank the people from Puerto Rico, my friends from Maguayo, Dorado. There is one. <laughs> Love you. And I miss you. And lastly, for not the list, I really wanted to thank you, fans. I wanted to thank you for accepting me as one of your own. I wanted to thank you because you make me feel at home, away from home. And I could not think of a better place on earth to, to play my 18 years. I feel the most fortunate person to be able to finish my career here. So thank you for that. You are you are the best city to play baseball in, and you have the best fans to play baseball for. So thank you. My family and I love you. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, the fourth member of the Mariners Hall of Fame, Edgar Martinez.
See you later! It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.